episode 84, How to Run Your Life Instead of Letting Life Run You with Sarah Riley. My name is Dan Mason. In 2012, I was overweight, getting divorced, battling depression, and feeling trapped in a career where I was successful but bored and unfulfilled. And it's actually the greatest gift I've ever been given. I used my pain as a springboard to discover my life's purpose. Now, I want to share the same tools and strategies which help transform my life with you so you can live Life Amplified. At my old gym in Manhattan, they used to have a big wall of motivational quotes, and there's one that's always stuck with me. In fact, I have it screenshotted and saved on my phone to this day. It said, the bad news is no one else will save you. The good news is no one else will save you. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to Life Amplified. Such a privilege to be able to serve you this week and a very important lesson that eventually we have to take control of our lives. Irene Casorla was the one who once said, the pen that writes your life story must be held in your own hand. But more often than not, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the external circumstances of our life as well as those internal negative thoughts and believe that we're not good enough, we're not capable to get to the next level. As one person recently shared with me in her coaching application, she said, my days are not mine. During the week, my time belongs to my job first, my daughter second, my husband third, and if I have any energy left, I'll do some reading or binge watch The Office or scroll through Instagram because that's all my brain can handle at the end of the day. And while being of service is important, we do tend to misdirect our energy and give to everybody else, often at our own expense. And if that weren't enough, then you have to deal with all the thoughts that tell you, well, you're an imposter, you're not good enough to get to the next level, things don't work out for me. And for many stuck people, they take those thoughts and they turn it into the gospel. How do we overcome it? This week, I brought back one of my dear friends and one of your favorite guests on the podcast, Sarah. Sarah Riley is a life coach based out of Sydney, Australia. She helps executives, entrepreneurs, and creatives get anything they want. She combines the spirituality and the woo-woo with new science-based facts that might give you a new perspective on how to get into the matrix, as she calls it. And this week, she's going to share on how we can make that happen. Coming up in this conversation, Sarah and I are going to talk about how to create a life that you run that doesn't run you. Some of the topics we're going to cover are four action steps you can implement beginning right now to bridge the gap between the life you have and the life you really want. We're going to talk about how making a significant life change starts with personal responsibility and removing blame. We'll talk about why the people you surround yourself with can make or break any changes you want to sustain in your life. We're going to discuss the power of a committed decision and why strategy and action plans aren't actually the most important part of creating an amplified life. Plus, at the end of the podcast, we're going to make a special invitation and tell you how you can work personally with both Sarah and myself to take your life and career up to an entirely new level in the coming year. If you love the conversation, be sure to screenshot this, upload it to Instagram. You can tag me at CSC Dan Mason. You can find Sarah at Sarah Riley Coaching. That is Sarah with an H R E I. I-L-L-Y. 
And don't forget, if you really love the conversation and what we're sharing serves you in a big way, you can leave those five-star ratings and reviews up on Apple. Each one that you leave, I make a donation to help feed 150 people through Feeding America, or you can just give us a follow on the iHeartRadio app or whatever podcast platform you're listening on. In the meantime, we're getting you primed for a huge, massive 2020, teaching you how to run your life so life doesn't run you with my my dear friend, Sarah Riley. Hey, everybody. Sarah Riley's back on Life Amplified. My friend, hello. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. You know, I always like when podcast guests become real-life friends, and Sarah was back on the podcast earlier in 2019. It was one of the three most downloaded episodes of the year. You guys loved her topic about how to reprogram your brain for success. And uh, since then, you and I have been vibing. We've connected. We've become business running buddies, and we've got some exciting projects coming up together uh, in 2020 that we'll be talking about a little bit later. So many exciting things to cover during our topic today. Mm, can't wait. So much looking forward to it. And thank you to everyone who made my uh, original podcast the third most downloaded. That was actually really exciting for me. And I shared that on the gram and I was super proud. <laughs> yeah, and she has also got a hit out on the people who were number one and two. So, you... <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, it is when you and I are recording this, it's mid-November of 2019. And this is the time of year when people look back on the year that was, and I'm sure for many people in the audience, looking back with a little regret or disappointment. And I think you and I can relate to this. Back, you know, before we went on the path that we're on, you start out in January with the best of intentions. You've got mm -hmm. big goals for your life to either quit your job or write the book or lose the weight or find the epic soulmate romance. And yet somewhere along the way, we fall off track. And in mm. fact, this is why only 8% of people really achieve the goals that they set in January. Today, we're going to talk about some strategies to help make 2020 a bigger year of success. But I love your story, and I've gotten to know you on such a friendship level. Talk to me and maybe share with the audience a little bit of what this journey was like for you when you had big plans, but you couldn't get it in gear when you just felt stuck, when you felt lifeless, when life was anything but amplified for you. <laughs> anything but amplified. That's a good way to say it. hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I followed the classic path, you know, you get through school and, you know, you maybe do a little bit of traveling and then you go to uni and you work your way up the corporate ladder. And for me, it was about I just hit a wall, you know, like I just got to what I call my own personal zero. I'd been in corporate for almost 10 years. I had a corporate career in risk management prior. You know, I started in occupational safety and I worked in really dangerous industries. I started out in oil and gas, moved into heavy construction, spent a couple of year in, years in shipping. And it was a place where, you know, it was super high stress, super high responsibility. And I mean, it gave you a great CV, but stress-wise, it also gave me a tumor. I was in a state when I eventually, you know, quit that career to go and do what I love. And it was truly a situation where if you're just responding to your environment, it seems impossible to get out. And that's why it's so critical to make big faith-based, courage-based, direction-based decisions when you're in that spot. And that's what I did. When I like called up Tony Robbins companies to hire my first coach. 
I called them in the fetal position underneath the dining room table. And I was like, I'm too smart to be this unhappy. You know, like my Mm. problem wasn't that I didn't have the cognitive ability to see things or that I didn't recognize that things weren't going very well or that, you know, it it wasn't about that. You know, a lot of my clients say this to me too. They're like, it's not an intellect issue. I'm, you know, I'm smart enough to understand that things aren't working. Why can't I make different decisions? And what it comes down to is, you know, subconscious programming, the junk we picked up as kids that is in psychological blind spots and really needs that outside perspective, you know, to get it moving and to get it out into the sunlight where we can critically evaluate it and say, well, which of these survival mechanisms do I need and which am I ready to let go of and actually, you know, go and live my dreams from new programming. You had mentioned something that's really important that I just wanted to address because there are so many people and I see this in coaching applications and I hear it from listeners of the podcast. Everybody intellectually understands what they're supposed to do to change. (laughs) Here in America, I don't know what it's like over in Australia where you're at. You know, we've got epic numbers of obesity, in America. And it's not like there is a lack of knowledge about how to lose weight. We Mm. all get that, you know, you exercise, you eat the right foods, you're going to be healthier, but it's an implementation issue. And I think that that's the the thing that keeps so many people stuck is they're reading the self-help books. They watch the YouTube video. They listen to a podcast like this. What keeps people from implementing? And maybe I'll just ask you, back in the days when you were struggling, what was keeping you from actually implementing the change? Uh, such a good question. We actually have serious problems with obesity rates um, in Australia as well. And But with regard to, you know, implementation as opposed to simply knowing the information, you know, Maston Kipp says this a lot. He says, you, if you understand it, then you understand it, but you can't say you know it until you're actually doing it, right? And the doing part requires that your nervous system will let you. You know, I said this to someone a while ago, like if you make a New Year's resolution to lose weight, for example, you might go to the gym for a couple of weeks, but if you fall off the wagon, the problem is that you were on a wagon. You were doing something outside of what your identity includes, right? So if you don't do that sort of deep introspection to figure out, well, why wasn't I someone who prioritized my well-being to start with? If you don't change that, then you're just trying to shift it at the level of behavior, which it means you're not disabling the engine that was powering it. So for me, if like to answer your question specifically after that glorious tangent is I went on a retreat with Mastin Kev actually, and um, we were doing a bunch of deep work and I had had all these stories about why I couldn't be a coach, right? I'd been in the corporate world for about 10 years. I had a great CV and it was all looking very safe, but very awful. And if you'd asked me, well, you know, what do you really want to do? I would have said, well, you know, the dream is to be a life coach. And they would have said, well, why aren't you already being a life coach? And I would have rattled off the same list of excuses that everybody says, right? It's, oh, well, I don't know where to find clients, or I don't understand Facebook marketing, or I've never run a business before. Or, you know, in my case, I was like, people don't like me. I'm not good at X, Y, and Z. I'm not, you know, all the stories, but it's never the stories. The stories are just beliefs and they're just branches of the tree. If you really want to do some damage on here, you can't just be trimming back the branches. You got to be fire bombing the tree trunk. And when I did my deep work, what I found out was that my nervous system was operating under a rule that said helping people is the most painful thing you can do. Mm. Now, growing up the way I did in a house with mental illness and going through a reasonable amount of abuse and having CPTSD from that, it's not surprising that I learned that my nervous system learned that helping people is, you know, fruitless, that it's going to end badly because I don't want to go into too much detail around that because I don't like telling other people's stories. But, you know, I had a parent who was abusive, had a personality disorder and was quite heavily into self-harm. And so whenever I tried to help, basically what would happen is, you know, they would just drink and self-harm and then tell me it was my fault. And Mm. so 
what I learned from that is that, like I said, helping people is incredibly painful. Now, when a survival meaning is made like that, it's buried in a scotoma, a psychological blind spot. People don't know they have these. So once I found that, I was like, oh, so the only reason I have all these beliefs about why I can't, you know, leave my job and launch this business and live my dreams and travel the world and work while snowboarding and all the other big ideas I had was because my system had those beliefs in order to protect the underlying story that it just wasn't safe to try and help people. Once I dug that out, I literally got up after that meditation, went straight back to my room, loaded up the Tony Robbins website, signed up for my North American coaching certificate, rerouted my travel plans, and basically started coaching pretty much immediately and and was successful in doing so. And I think that this is such an important distinction because a lot of people, especially this time of year when there's another 12 months that have gone by with unrealized dreams, we go into shame, we go into blaming ourselves, we say, well, I'm just lazy, I'm distracted, I'm unfocused. So I think that this is such a powerful breakthrough for somebody today is to realize you're not effed up, (laughs) you're not broken. But literally, your nervous system is terrified because there is a subconscious belief about what's possible for you. Yeah, 100%. And can I just say, the whole thing about activating a shame spiral and talking about how disappointed you are in yourself or how lazy you think you are, twofold. One, I mean, that's an egoic distraction. The ego is always going to tell you whatever story gets you into a shame spiral because when you're in a shame spiral, you're not typically going out and changing things. Shame spirals are what keep people on the couch eating pizza and crying, right? Sure. So, you know, we've all been there. We've all had that particular Tuesday. So, But while you're doing that, it's effectively a distraction because while you're beating up on yourself, what are you not doing? Uh, making the decision that would move you forward. It's like we get very distracted with berating ourselves as though that's some necessary part of growth. And it's not at all. It's a distraction from growth. It's an egoic trick. And the idea that you're broken or damaged in any way or that, you know, you're just too effed up or whatever people are saying, it's not. In fact, if you have this, this type of issue where your nervous system is like preventing you from moving forward, you're not broken. That tells me your nervous system is firing exactly as designed. It's working beautifully. It's just that the rules it's adhering to, the coding that is driving it is out of date because you would have learned these survival techniques and these survival meanings back when you were a sponge, basically. You're just making random survival meanings as a kid. And they're not like, like no survival meaning is inherently factually accurate because it was made in the mind of a child with no empathy, no full frontal lobe development and no context. So it's not that there's any type of damage or laziness or whatever. Like I always stamp out identity statements right from the beginning too, because there's no such thing as personality. The science doesn't support that. It's not that you are a type of person. It's that you have learned ways of being that kept you safe as a kid. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's not producing the dream life that you want now is because it's not relevant to this environment. You're not facing the same threats. You're not in the same situation. It's like if you're, you know, on a safari, you'll use a lot of bug spray, but constantly coating yourself in bug spray inside your apartment in a country that doesn't have a major you know bug problem in suburban areas is irrelevant right so you're just you're applying an unnecessary irrelevant or you know inappropriate coping mechanism to this environment if you try to run those patterns from childhood in your current life it's not going to produce your dream life because it was never designed to all it's going to do is keep you safe from a threat that's not there anymore That is absolutely brilliant. I love it. And I think that this is a great setup now for us to give the audience this week four practical steps to bridge that gap to their dream life. So when we talk about how do you actually run your life, 
instead of life running you and, mm. you know, being a reactor every day, that gets us to the first step, which is personal responsibility. Tell me more about that and why that is so important. Personal responsibility is about recognizing that you are at cause and it's at cause is not at all the same as to blame. I think this is where a lot of people get either upset or triggered. And I don't mean that in a facetious way. I mean that in a literal way they get, you know, quite aggressive about it is because there's a misconception that to be at cause in your life means that stuff is your fault, right? That you are to be held accountable for it. And the thing is, whatever you're creating, manifesting, you know, bringing into being unconsciously, you can't be held personally accountable for. You're not to blame. Like, for example, if I had a house guest and they were sleepwalking and they stepped on my laptop, I'm not going to be, you know, I mean, I I can't promise I won't be upset that my laptop got mashed, but I'm not going to be angry at them. I'm not going to be like, this is your fault because they were asleep, right? Like, it's not their fault. They didn't know it was there. They couldn't even see. They were just responding to a dream. So you are at cause in that you are the driving force behind the emotions that you have and the atomic activity around you, but you're not to blame. It's not like anything bad happened to you is your fault. But when we take responsibility and we start to act like we recognize that we're at cause, we make different decisions, we make um, different inroads, we make different choices, and we move forward in a different way. So step one is recognizing that you are not a victim of your environment because you can't be in a victimized position and affect change. You're either at the mercy of your environment or you're controlling it. And until you kind of pick a side of the fence, you're forever sort of stuck as like I said, a victim of circumstance. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. And I just want to go back, and I think you alluded to this, but really driving the point home that when we're talking about you're at cause for the person who grew up in a home like you that was abusive Mm. or grew up in a home like me that was Mm -hmm. abusive, it's not that the things that happened to you, particularly early in life or because you deserved it or that you were wrong Mm. or somehow you asked for it. I think what I just want to clarify what we're trying to say here is that what we're taking responsibility for is to change the way that we relate to the story. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, most definitely. It's not anybody's fault that they had a rough childhood. I mean, in that situation, you are, you know, your ability to make change is obviously inherently limited. You are at the mercy of whoever is paying for your shelter and buying your groceries and who is your primary source of connection for sure. But once you're out of that situation, once you're not at the mercy of, you know, somebody else buying your groceries and, you know, controlling your daily activities, then it's time to look at, okay, what did I learn in that situation? And where am I still running the coping mechanism? that were only applicable to that particular environment. Once you have full frontal lobe development after 25 in particular, it's about saying, okay, as a child without, you know, until seven, I didn't have, you know, full empathy until a certain age, I didn't have full, you know, planning and, and consequential understanding, et cetera, et cetera. And so I made a lot of meanings and I learned a lot of things that, you know, it's information I absorbed without context and without, you know, without really looking at the bigger picture. So am I still operating as though that's true? And if it is no longer serving me, what would I like to shift it to? Being at cause is not at all a space of deserving something bad that happened to you. It's about saying now that I am in a situation where I can assume a responsibility for my life, the only way to be able to take steps forward is to get in the driver's seat like that. If you keep your blindfold on and you refuse to put your hands on the steering wheel, 
then obviously you're going to get a different outcome than if you take the blindfold off, put your hands on the steering wheel and aim that car towards everything you want. So that would be a way somebody can run their life. And just for an example, the person who's letting life run them, my guess is there's a lot of stories of blame, right? Well, I feel Mm -hmm. this way because this person did this, because you Mm -hmm. said this. You made me angry. You made me upset. It's a really mm-hmm. disempowering way. And, and that idea of blaming other people, it gives us nothing, right? Because if our blueprint to be happy, to be joyous, to be satisfied, connected is based on how other people are showing up, we are just totally outsourcing our power, correct? Oh, yeah, 1000%. And I mean, the ego is always going to prompt us in that direction. The voice in your head is always going to look to blame someone else, because what it knows is that you don't control the actions or words of other people. So as long as you're putting it on somebody else, it gives you that sort of freedom to not have to do anything about it. And yes, the ego is a protective layer, but its only real method of activity is to prevent change. It's not moving you towards anything that's really good for you. It's just trying to keep you stuck in your old ways. And so as long as it pretends that everything is everybody else's fault, it sort of lets you off the hook from doing anything to change it. The thing is, the ego is always going to say, well, if it, you know, it's their fault, they made you feel like this. Whereas that's not, you know, neurologically true. It, emotions are not created or controlled by things outside of us. They're created in the brain. So actually, we do have the ability to feel a different way. But if you feel a different way, you're going to make different decisions. If you make different decisions, you're going to take different actions. And when you take different actions, you completely change your life. And the ego doesn't understand that it's safe and wonderful to move towards your dreams. It's only geared up for survival. Survival and survival means familiarity. So it's easier to stay stuck in an unsatisfying present than take a risk on a unknown future that may or may not work out because I may or may not fail, according to the ego. I'm not saying that that's the case. But yeah, yeah, so I would rather stay here and live at a four or five than risk going for a 10 and ending up at a one. Yeah, because it's a known (laughs) four or five, isn't it? Whereas the 10 is technically the unknown. But something I would really love for the audience to ponder from this podcast is if everything in your life right up until now has not been living your dreams, if you have not made the wealth that you would like to make, if you have not experienced the energy and vitality that you consider the peak level that you're going for, if you have not had the unbelievable relationships that you would like, and that means that everything you consider the known is the subpar version. And that means the very unknown that you're afraid of is all the joy you've been craving. Uh. So does it still make sense to be so afraid of the unknown if by definition the unknown is everything you've ever dreamed? I love that. Big aha moment for somebody today. You mentioned mm. a few seconds ago talking about relationships, and that is a beautiful segue to the second point. For people who want to run their life rather than let life run them, let's talk about the people that you're surrounding yourself with. The people around you is kind of everything because human beings prioritize connection over everything else. So all the rules and, you know, in your wiring is around, well, what do I have to do to maintain connection and how do I make sure that I don't lose it? So if you're surrounded by people that are operating at, you know, a lower level than you, e.g., you know, their emotional maturity is lower or their ambitions are lower or their plans are lower or, and I mean, lower is a subjective term. You can apply this to however it's relevant to you. But basically, if they're doing stuff that is less or not as good as 
or you know just not what you want the thing is in order to maintain connection your nervous system is going to be working to calibrate to that so that doesn't mean that you can't hang out with people who are not as ambitious or driven as you but what it means is that you probably want to make sure that the majority of your time is spent with people who are either on the journey with you or that are providing some kind of you know role model space like a mentor or someone who's you know, further ahead in the journey that you can calibrate to in that direction. Because before we started recording, you were talking about, what did you call it? Oh, yeah, yeah. My, I forget where I had heard this, and I've always subscribed to this since I've gone on this path, that you break up your social circles into pluses, minuses, and equals. So your pluses are the people who are further ahead than you. They're the people who have accomplished the thing that you want to create in your life. Those are the people you should be seeking out as mentors. Most people, and I'm sure you can relate to this, right? Like when we are stuck, when we're not moving forward, it's because we're usually looking for approval or some sort of guidance from people who've never actually done the friggin' thing that we want to do. And then the worst part is then they answer our question because they're trying to be helpful, but they answer from a place of fear. And that's typically where we get stuff like, oh, well, you know, don't do X until you've done Y, or that sounds really hard. Where are you going to find clients and other crap like that? (laughs) Yeah. So the pluses are the people who are ahead of you that could be mentors. The minuses are not the negative naysayers. They're actually the people who might be a step or two behind you that you can teach whatever knowledge, whatever wisdom, the skill that you have, the problem you've overcome, you can pass that wisdom on to them. So the minuses aren't negative people, but they're the students, which works on two levels. Number one, uh, A, you're being of service, which is, you know, the, the highest place that we can aspire to be is to be offering value in the world. But also number two is you're teaching what you know to other people. It just reinforces it within yourself, right? To teach is to learn. So you just really start to integrate that knowledge at an even deeper level within yourself. And then the third step on that is having the equals, who is your tribe, the people who are, as you alluded to, that are working toward the same things you are, who can support you, who can uplift you, who can hold you accountable, and can even you know hold that vision for what your dream is on the days when you doubt it's possible. You know, the people who can pick you up rather than having the group of people who are like, well, told you so, you screwed up, <laughs> you know, like, super not yeah. helpful. What, yeah. what was your ratio back in the day when you think of where you were at, you know, in the risk yeah. management career, corporate, <laughs> if you had to break down your pluses, minuses, and equals, and I guess the fourth layer of this are just, what would, would they be the sub-zero group? Like, oh, those God. are really the, the naysayers. I'm smiling so big as you asked this question because I just realized something that I think is going to be another aha moment for someone out there and that's that in an industry you don't want to be in because you don't enjoy it it's not your passion you're just kind of there because it gives you you know a secure paycheck your pluses are not even real pluses I've just realized this I hadn't thought about it prior because I don't think too much about my oh, that's job. good yeah Yeah, I've been coaching for a few years now and everything's been so great for so long that I don't really think about that stuff anymore. So yeah, that's actually a really good point. Because I think about the pluses I had, the people that were further ahead in my industry that were crushing it, that were doing great. And you know what? They are lovely people. Some of them I'm still friends with, but I don't know that it really counted as a plus because I didn't aspire to have what they had. Like they were pluses in the true sense of the word. 
but I didn't want to be there at all. They were the people that had master's degrees and things I hated. And it was like, you know, I think about them and they were, they were on the big stages. They were given the presentations. They were the ones that they were the keynote speakers at the conferences that I was just a low level attendee at, right? They were, they were definitely the pluses in my industry. And I would, Jesus, I would not want to be there at all. And think about that. If you're there minus, I mean, what are they essentially doing? They're passing on their wisdom, their knowledge, so that you can get to the point that they're at, but you don't want to be at that point. And you're just creating this endless loop of frustration and suffering for yourself. You know, you'll climb the next. And that's why so many people, right, climb the next level of their career. And then it doesn't even feel good to them because it's not what they want. Yeah, I had someone say that to me the other day. They said, I used to think that it didn't matter how bad the job was as long as I made enough money. And I'm like, oh, my God, literally everyone who's ever made really good executive salaries at something they hate will tell you it wasn't worth it. And that's that's a that's a wall that I hit in that career, too, where I realized that like because people say to me, wasn't it scary to quit your job? And I always say it would have been scary if I'd done it from courage several years ago. But I didn't do it when I needed to be brave. I just stuck with it until my whole system started shutting down. And by the time I left, it wasn't scary to leave at all because I'd realized that not only would I be happy to give up that salary to just not have to come into this job anymore, but I would probably give them like I would have paid. Like I would have said, you know what, keep the salary and I will give you some of my savings if I just don't have to come back here. One of my favorite stories about that is when I after I quit. I had a three-month notice period because I was at the executive level and it takes three months to go through all the testing to get someone to replace you. The woman running the project management office called me over about halfway through this three-month notice period and she said, listen, we need to talk. And I said, what's up? And she said to me, you have to stop skipping in the corridors. And I I said, "Um, I can't help it. I'm just so happy. It's only six weeks until I get to go and live my life. And she was like, look, everybody who works here wants to leave and it doesn't help that you're rubbing it in. I'm so sorry. But like, I was like, look, I'm really sorry that everybody wants to leave and they're not, you know, making the right decision for them right now. But I'd be lying to you if I said I could contain my joy at finally doing what I want to do. It's so funny. Every time I run into people from my old career, you know, they always look at it. It's like they, they turn you into like this biblical figure. Like, oh, you're like, the amazing. one who got away. <laughs> yes, it is. It's incredible. And the look on the, like, sometimes I think just the look on people's faces was worth doing it for because they said, you know, someone said to me, oh my God, have you got another job? And I said, nope. And then, then there's just this very awkward silence because nobody knows what to say if you're going into the, you know, the realm of nothingness, the realm of faith, as it were. And then there's just this silence and they were like, so... Why, why are you leaving? And I said, I don't want to come here anymore. <laughs> and it was, it, it was honest to God, it was worth it. In fact, I remember laughing with my dad about this. Like I did send a very mature resignation letter. It was very much a case of, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity. I've loved working here. You know, I, I hereby tender my resignation. Adult, 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 wonderful. But I'm not going to lie and say I didn't have to delete the first resignation letter I ever wrote, which was I'm leaving to pursue my dream of not working here. <laughs> so... Yeah. Well, you know, we joke about that and like the way people look in awe of the person who made the transition. And and you and I are both self-aware enough to to know that we don't take ourselves seriously. We're not special or or have some superhuman power that other people don't have. But when we talk about running your life rather than letting a life run you, I think this leads to point number three that we wanted to discuss today, which is just the fact that you and I are examples of what happens when you make a committed decision. 
speak mm. to that a little bit more. Yeah, I wrote um, one of my favorite blog posts ever about a month or two ago on the power of the decision. And it sounds like not a big deal, but I'm going to use a really practical example of how it impacts your life. Um, a few years ago, I decided I wasn't going to stress about money anymore. I decided that my coaching business would do five figures a month every month. I didn't know how, but I just decided I couldn't do this anymore because I used to stress about money to the point where it was giving me chest pain. Mm. And I was like, I don't know, like we've hit a point where it's not my choice anymore. I have to stop stressing about money because I don't know what the chest pain is. I don't know if I'm giving myself another tumor. I don't know if this is lung damage. I don't know if it's just my solar plexus chakra wigging out and giving me indigestion. I don't know what it is but i'm pretty sure chest pain is bad so we've hit a point (laughs) where i yeah we've hit a point where i can't do it anymore so i remember where i was when i made the decision right i was in uh the spare room of this ski lodge i was in because i was off you know living the dream of of coaching while snowboarding in canada and uh i was hanging out laundry putting it on the little clothes era next to the heating vent and i was like I'm never going to stress about money again. My business makes five figures a month, regardless of how many hours I do. And that's just the reality that I have. That's it. I am done. We don't stress anymore. There is no pain anymore. It's all fine. And I like the impact of the decision. Like you feel it. It's a moment in time when you make that committed decision. It's nothing like a wish. It's nothing like thinking, oh, that'd be nice, you know, whatever. I go to bed that night. I wake up the next morning. First email I get is a credit card bill. And I immediately went into the chest pain. And then I literally like... Because I'd made that decision the night before, it meant that the pattern could no longer run uninterrupted. And so I pushed my laptop back because I'd obviously brought it up on, on the screen to see the figures that had triggered me. And I pushed my laptop back and I just sat there on the couch for a second and I was like, no, we decided that we don't get stressed anymore. And we're not just going to go back on that because of some numbers on a screen. Some numbers on a screen do not control how I feel. There is no tiger in here. I am not under threat. I'm not outside in this minus 45 degree weather. There is no legitimate threat. It's just numbers on a screen. We decided that the business makes five figures a month. And if the business always made five figures a month, then paying your credit card bill would not be a concern. Therefore, it cannot be a concern today. I'm going to live as the future version of myself. And this is, I think, where people get confused around the whole act as if thing. And they think, well, if I was acting rich, I'd be out spending money. And it's like, no, you wouldn't. You would be acting rich, which is that you wouldn't be stressing when the bill comes in. You would make your decisions from a place of calmness. And so, you know, I made what little payment that I could. I shut down my laptop and I went off to cook brunch and it happened again. I was making brunch. I realized we were out of black beans and the chest pain started again. And I was like, oh my God. And I just had to put the saucepan down, step away. Like sometimes I ground by actually just holding on to furniture. It looks kind of ridiculous. But so I'm holding on to the bench and I'm like, I'm not under threat. The business makes five figures a month. I'm totally safe. You can buy as many groceries as you need to. This is not something you stress about anymore. And I swear to God, I was doing that a dozen times a day for like the foreseeable future. But I tell you, when you decide to start living as that version of yourself, reality does shift. That's just the physics of it. It's not a faith-based thing. It's just physics. And within two weeks, more money started coming in and the business had stabilized at five figures a month consistent within about 12 weeks. You know, I always talk about the power of a committed decision. For me, it was signing up for a very high level, year-long mentorship program with a pretty big name in personal development. And I did not have the money in the bank at that point. I had exhausted my savings trying to figure it out on my own. That was always my yeah. thing, right? I don't need help. I, I'm smart. I can figure this out. No, oh, been n- there. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> no, Dan, you have never started a business from the ground up. You don't know online marketing. <laughs> no, you need help, Dan. 
And that was it. I did the same thing. I made a decision where I almost vomited in a hotel lobby. And I spent, you know, I committed to an investment that was more expensive than my car, which I Mm -hmm. bought when I was making the corporate salary. So it's a pretty nice car. Yep. And from there, everything, just by making the decision, I started showing up differently, right? That's when I put the wheels in motion to create this podcast. That's when I really started allowing myself to be seen. And everything else in my business came out of that. Like, you know, best-selling book, number one podcast, you know, out earning my old career. But the first sign of being committed to a new way of life or to a goal is the committed decision. Yeah, 100%. Because if you haven't made the decision, then every choice after it and every feeling after it is still just running the same old patterns. And I mean, Joe Dispenza is huge on this. He's like, if you keep running the same patterns, you keep feeling the same feelings, you keep creating the same reality. And that's just how it is. And we know whether or not you made a decision based on how you react the first time you're tested. And if you run the same old pattern, you make a decision from old you, then it was never a decision. You had a wish. You thought it might be nice if, but you hadn't really decided. And that brings us to the fourth and final step for people if they're really looking to run their life instead of let life run them. Mm -hmm. And I think for some people, they're going to be surprised to hear us say that this might be the least important of the four steps. And it's not that it's not important, but this is the mistake. Most people go into creating action plan, developing process and strategy, but they jump straight into that before they've made the committed decision, before they've taken responsibility for their reality, before Mm -hmm. they've found their pluses in their life and their Mm. equals and they fall on their face yeah let's talk about process and strategy and where it fits in the hierarchy and why it's important but it's not the most important thing yeah the reason it's at the end of the hierarchy the reason it's you know on the bottom rung is that put simply like when the mindset's correct and the nervous system is happy to accept what you're trying to bring in then effectively any strategy will do whichever one calls to you if you don't like facebook don't do facebook if you don't like twitter don't do twitter if you if you're super into instagram stories do it and as long as everything in your system is on board and the mindset's in the right place it will work but i think where people get off track is they get scared to do that bit of deep work and they get scared to look at what their system has learned and you know what it might take from them to make that adjustment and they go straight into investing in you know someone to manage their Instagram ads or, you know, a marketing strategy or all the rest of it. But put simply, you can't manifest and or you can't bring in anything that your nervous system doesn't feel safe to receive. So investing in a strategy before you've looked at what your system will let in to start with is kind of a waste of time. If the, you know, if the mindset's right, any strategy will work. But if the mindset is off, then no strategy will work. And I know that you're putting this and talking about like online marketing and Facebook and Instagram, but this is not just about starting a business. There might be people today who have no desire to start a business, but if you are putting yourself out there on a dating app, but you oh, yeah. still believe that all people of the opposite sex are trash or that <laughs> you're not desirable or that everybody's like my mom or my dad or whatever it yep. is, you haven't addressed the underlying cause. So you're going to continue to date the same people that you did before that made you think everybody was trash. Yeah, of course. I mean, the human nervous system is wired for survival, not happiness. So if you leave it on autopilot, if you don't upgrade your coding, it's just going to recreate whatever scenario you're familiar with. And that means that your, you know, the the filters that your brain is using for the data you get is going to filter by whatever fits your stories. So if you believe that, you know, all men are trash or all women are cheaters, you're only going to link up with people who fit your story. And that's why you've got to shift the story. If you're going into, if, if it is that you're hoping to launch a business, if you go into it with 
the filter on for a business is hard. It's hard to find clients. Nobody understands me. People don't want to pay. You will only have those people in your in your orbit because that's the frequency that you're on, right? If you don't if you don't figure out why your system needs that programming, why it has linked keeping that belief to your safety, then yeah, you're just going to keep recreating the same old stuff. And I hear it all the time. People come to me and they say, "Well, I've done this already. I've thrown my pendulum. I quit my job. I went out there and it all failed, and I had to go crawling back to my job." And I'm like, "Right, but." you didn't really do it. What you did is go off on a hilarious egoic journey where you aimed to prove all of your fears right. So you leapt without bothering to do any of the changes, meaning that you threw yourself out into the abyss with the old mindset that you can't make it. Your subconscious mind is working 24 hours a day to make everything in your world conform to your stories so that you stay safe. Put simply, if you don't upgrade that coding, if you don't change the stories, you'll just recreate that in a different environment. And that's how people end up dating the same person in different shoes over and over again. You've got to change the rules that your system is adhering to. I see this so often with clients. People get it eventually with the right mentorship, but mm. they blame so much. They're like, well, you know, I have trouble with, you know, I got this relationship with finances or I struggle in dating or I struggle mm. in my career. But how you show up in one area of your life is typically indicative of how you show up in all areas of your life because oh, it's course, all driven yeah. by the same belief system. I think of a client that I once worked with and you know she really had a hard time expressing her needs to other yep. people, asking for what she wanted for standing up for herself. And when it would show up with family, when it would show up in a marriage, she would try to address things but only to the point where she didn't feel listened to and it proved the story right, that mm, nobody yep. listens to me. And then yep. she would want to go into changing strategy. Well, you know, I don't want to deal with this family relationship anymore. Let's just talk about my business I want to start. I'm like, that's great. <laughs> we can do that. But if you believe people don't listen to you and that you don't have value and that it's going to cause you pain, you're going to recreate that in a business and push clients away just as well, you know, as you are creating all this drama in the other areas of your life. That's at 100 percent. Changing the environment doesn't change your pattern. I've got the same thing. One of my friends reached out to me and he said, I want to quit my job and be a photographer. And I said, well, that sounds awesome. And he said, so, you know, I'm going to have to quit my job and go into debt to do it. And I was like, OK, hold up one second. I'm not not in favor of quitting your job and going into debt to live your dreams, but I know this person pretty well. And I said, at the moment, you have issues around receiving and keeping money. So even though you're being paid a good wage at your job, at the end of the week, you don't even have enough for food, right? Like he's self-sabotaging in a fairly massive way and getting rid of all that. He makes good money, but he's getting rid of all of it. I said, changing the environment will not change that pattern. If you've got an issue around worthiness and around being able to keep and hold on to and receive money, all that's going to happen is you will carry that pattern into the photography business and you won't be able to get paying clients either, mm. right? Like it's you, you have to address the fact that you don't feel worthy of the money you make. You have to, and just so that everyone's aware, I've known this person for over 20 years. So sure. it's not, a, this was not a, a flippant assessment. This was a, you know, we've, we've gone over this many times and this is, this is actually his assessment, but he just wasn't willing to sort of like look into it at the time. And I really applaud the courage that it takes to, consider quitting your job and going after your dreams. And generally speaking, I'm 100% in favor. But like you said, you don't get to choose, you know, where you take your subconscious. It's who you are is who you are. And wherever you go, there you are, right? That was awesome piece of poetry that I just came up with. But basically, like whether it's the boardroom or the bedroom, 
like you're going to bring you and all your fears and all of your BS with you. So you can't fix your patterns by simply changing the environment. You're going to take the pattern into the environment. Get rid of the pattern first and then go into the new environment fresh as a real launch pad. Like then you can do whatever you want to do. Sarah, to go back and recap, if people truly want to make 2020 the year that they run their life instead of letting life run them, we're talking yeah. about four concepts and mindset shifts. Number one, you have to take responsibility and understand that you're the creator of your life. You're no longer a reactor. Yeah, because you can't be in control and in a victimized position at the same time. You either think that you're the victim of your environment or you recognize that you're controlling it. Number two... You have got to be mindful about who the people are that you're surrounding yourself with, which means that you definitely need some pluses. Mm -hmm. You need to find at least one minus so that you're given mm -hmm. back to. And you need a huge community and maybe not huge community, but you definitely need some who are equals who are going to support you and lift you up. Yeah, you want some in the trenches with you so that you're not feeling alone and like no one understands. You have to make a committed new decision. And not just a pseudo decision, which is like, oh, you know, I'm on a three-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's not it. <laughs> a committed decision for who you're going to be right now to become the person you want to be. And number four, then you need a process and strategy. And I guess this leads up to our big announcement here at the end of the podcast. Sarah and I have been in steady contact uh, since we taped that uh, earlier podcast that we did back in February or March, I believe. And we have created a program that is going to give you all four of these things. Sarah and I would love to be your pluses if that's what you're looking for. If you need some people further ahead than you that, that, that have truly created and embodied the change, we would be happy to do that. We would love to build a community of equals so that you are supported and encouraged as you step into this new reality for yourself in 2020. Uh, we want to give you all the tools, all the strategies, all the things we've implemented in our life to take personal responsibility, to be active creators of what we experience every day, to help you make that committed decision, and to give you so much process and strategy to take your life to a whole new level. Sarah, do you want to tell everybody about the Wavelength Mastermind that kicks off in January? Absolutely. And I am beyond excited about this. This is like a new frontier in this space because it's kind of like a hybrid of a group program and a mastermind in that you get all the support and training and strategy that comes with a group program, but you get the incredible environment that comes with a mastermind, the incredible sharing of ideas and the community that comes with that type of format. Um, I also don't see a lot in the market right now where you're getting access to multiple coaches. And this is why yeah. I wanted to set this up with you is because different coaches coach in different ways. They target different areas and they have different sort of zones of genius. And so if someone can enter a mastermind and get twice the value and twice the amount of hit in that place, I just think it's, you know, like phenomenal. Um, so basically, um, Dan and I have come together to set up a mastermind whereby you actually get two high-level coaches taking you through a bunch of trainings, working with you in a group setting, but doing one-to-one -one laser coaching as well. And also just, you know, giving you something for your nervous system to calibrate to that's perhaps a bit further ahead than where you are right now in your business or where you are in your life financially or personally. Yeah, basically it's both of us, all of you together three times a month 
breaking barriers. I love it. And and what I really like about this is, you know, you and I have had a lot of the same training and yeah. our background that we bring to the table in terms of helping people get to the root cause of why they're really stuck, not just the surface level stories, but also helping people create that new identity at the subconscious level. And mm-hmm. we just do it in different ways. <laughs> yeah. I always joke with people. I'm like, I'm the person who's going to like give it to you straight with a fair amount of empathy and compassion. And Sarah's going to come in there and give it to you straight, sometimes in a really blunt way. <laughs> mm, yeah, I like to say that I, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm different from the therapeutic approach in that I believe that short-term pain for long-term gain is totally worth it. So I'm not so much about uh, Band-Aids and anesthetics. I'm more about I'll give you something to bite down on, but then I'm going to dig that bullet out with a spoon. <laughs> so between the two of us, I think we've got all bases covered. And I am so excited because I think that this container and this program that we're creating is, A, just going to create so much massive transformation for the individuals that we're working with. But one of the things that I just see come up repeatedly from people who are in that proverbial soul-sucking job uh, is that they tend to isolate. You know, because that negativity, when you're really unfulfilled, right, you bring that negativity home and then it causes tension in your relationships. And at some point that might reinforce an old belief that, well, I don't want to be a burden and talk about where I'm at right now. So where you've got that community of equals who are working toward the same thing you are, who can lift you up, who can support you, because we're also creating a private online community for this group. So even though the calls are three times a month, we're all going to be in contact contact in our uh, private online community, you know, on a daily basis. Uh, So there's just this amazing container for people to go to celebrate wins, to ask for support, and to truly feel seen and heard and accepted and witnessed and loved by people who get you because they're working toward the same thing you are. Yeah, 100%. And also, you and I are on different time zones, apart from next May when I'm coming over. But we're on different time zones, which means the Facebook group for everybody will be, you know, supported around the clock. If you've got any type of issue, any type of misunderstanding, any type of stress in your business, if there's any point at which you need a reframe or a coaching perspective, you have two different people who get you where you need to go, but in completely different methods. And you can choose what resonates with you in the moment, pretty much 24 hours a day. And that level of support is just unprecedented. I mean, if you've ever experienced coaching even in the smallest doses you know what an incredible difference it makes to your life and what would your life be like if you were interacting with people who have what you're trying to create three times a month plus getting that whole 24-hour support from them I mean just you know let your mind wander on it for a bit because with that level of support and strategy and process anything literally anything So Sarah and I are currently accepting applications. We have some amazing rates right now for the early signups. We are doing a special founders rate that you can find out about uh, after you submit your application. And we're also including some amazing bonuses because even though the program officially kicks off in January, everybody who signs up before December 8th is going to have an amazing opportunity for some bonus calls. We're going to do a goal setting workshop to help you get Get really clear on what it is that's going to help you amplify your life next year and also do a, a next bonus call where we can give you some laser coaching and strategies to help you create momentum before the program even begins. Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Entering 2020 on a high note, knowing that everything that you wanted to create this year is going to get moving and that you're finally taking action on the stuff that's really important to you, not just the stuff your survival wiring wants you to stay on the hamster wheel with. 
You know, we went back and forth on so many different names for what we wanted to call this. But at the end of the day, Wavelength uh, really resonated for both of us because so often when you're stuck, it's your sur- it's that you're surrounded by people who are on the wrong wavelength from where you're at. They're working toward mm-hmm. different goals. They have different values. They don't believe in the same possibilities that you do. So this is what it is, 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 is this community is going to be people who are all on your wavelength and are there to encourage you and support you. So I'm so excited. We have a link to the website uh, and also where you can go to apply. That is available right now in the show notes. Go to wavelengthmastermind.com. So both of us have a pretty oddball slash dry sense of humor at times. And I have to tell you guys, if you had heard the call where we decided on the name, you would have been screaming. It was hysterical. (laughs) We went through so many different options. And like, yeah, I just, I, that was one of, one of my favorite memories from 2019 actually was us brainstorming on what to call it because we wanted to go big and we wanted to go borderline celestial and we got super carried away with a few joke options and it was, <laughs> it was wonderful. It was hilarious. I, some of the biggest laughs I had this year was on us deciding to do it. But I have to say to you guys, like when we decided on wavelength, there was a moment of silence on the call where we were like, oh, I think that's it. That's absolutely it. And then we rattled off like a thousand reasons that that was exactly the vibe we're trying to get to people. And that's, you know, what it is. We want your nervous system calibrating to a different level. We want you to be on the wavelength that we're on, which is time freedom, financial freedom, doing what you love, leading from purpose and mission, making hella bank, doing it and having the best time with the best people. That is that is the wavelength we want you on. Please. Yeah. And, and by the way, speaking of our sense of humor, we're going to have a lot of fun in the process. You know, oh, yeah. we're going to do deep work, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Sarah, there's nobody else that I can think of. I would rather be doing this program with. I'm so excited to be working with you. I am so excited uh, to build this community and and also for people to understand, this is not just some like three-month program. This is an ongoing rotating program. So beyond your first three-month commitment, you can choose to stay on uh, on a month-by-month basis. So if somebody's finding this podcast, you know, at the first of the year, it's not too late to sign up. You can go to the website, get all the information. And uh, Sarah and I are looking forward to getting to know you and helping you create your big breakthrough in 2020. My friend, it's always good to talk to you. I always love uh, just sitting here riffing on on personal growth and personal development with you and big things ahead. I'm really excited for the coming year. Oh my God, same. Goosebumps, especially in regards to Wavelength. This is going to be a hell of a community. I cannot wait to see like how it pans out and who we get in that group because it's just going to be epic. Some amazing teaching in the episode this week. And if you would like Sarah and I to be your pluses and join our community of equals so you can get about living your purpose and making a difference in the life of some of the minuses in your life, we got you. Wavelength applications open right now. Early bird pricing available as well. You can get the info for that at wavelengthmastermind.com or you can find more information at my website, Creative Soul Coaching. Thank you so much to Sarah for being on the podcast. Show her some love. If you love the episode this week, you can screenshot this podcast, upload it to Instagram, tag me at CSC Dan Mason. Be sure to tag Sarah at Sarah Riley Coaching. Also, make sure you give us both a follow on Instagram because she and I are actually going to be doing a complimentary masterclass online together coming up in December. We're still working out the final dates on that, but we're going to be posting all the info for that free training for you up on our Instagram pages. 
And if you're so inclined, you can leave us a five-star rating and review up on Apple. Remember, for every review we get, I make a donation that feeds 150 people through Feeding America. Thank you so much for spending an hour with me this week. It means the world to me. It's an honor and a privilege to serve you. And don't forget, it's time to turn down the volume on your negativity and turn up the volume on your purpose so you can live life amplified. I'll talk to you next week.